0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. This is the first Sunday of Kiak, and as we pro- approach the beginning of the greatest story of all time, which is the story, of course, of the Nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ, today's reading from the Gospel according to St. Luke relates to the birth of St. John the Baptist, to Saints Elizabeth and Zacharias. We also read today in, um, in the Praxis the, uh, the reading from the Book of Acts, Uh, also written by St. Luke, Um, and again the first chapter of the Book of Acts. And interestingly, they both start in the same manner. St. Luke, of course, wrote the Gospel uh, that bears his name and the Book of Acts. Uh, He accompanied St. Paul and also St. Mark the Apostle who started our church. Uh, he knew Greek really well, he was a physician, we, we know that he was a physician, and he was also a really good artist, and we know that through tradition that he was the one who um, was the first to paint an icon of St. Mary. Um, his gospel was uh, a symbol of the ox, which is the sacrificial animal in the Old Testament, uh, which is why also we read today that Zacharias was offering incense, offering the sacrifice of incense on the altar. So the two books, the Gospel of uh, uh, according to St. Um, Luke and as well as the Book of Acts, which was also written by St. Luke, begin very sim- similarly. So I'm going to read the first couple of verses in each of the, the two uh, uh, beginnings, uh, chapter 1. So in the Gospel of Luke, as we read today, And as much as many have taken into hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses, and ministers of the word delivered them to us it seemed good to me having had perfect understanding from all things of all things from the very first to write to you an orderly account most excellent Theophilus that you may know the certainty of the things in which you were instructed so again he leans on the eyewitnesses that they may know the certainty the tangible certainty of the things that were delivered to them, the faith that was delivered to them, because they were seen by eyewitnesses. And, and of course, we know St. Luke got everything he wrote in the Gospels from uh, the Apostles and from St. Mary as well. Uh, that's why in the Gospel, according to St. Luke, we have a very detailed uh, story of the Nativity, you know, the whole story of Christmas and the shepherds and, and all that, that came from St. Luke. Now let's go to the Book of Acts, which starts off very similarly. He says, the former account I made, O Theophilus. So again, he writes it to the same uh, disciple, Theophilus. The former account, of course, being the gospel according to St. Luke. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, by many proofs that are infallible, being seen by them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So the truths of Scripture were, were delivered to us through eyewitnesses and that assurance that all the apostles have have traveled into the church throughout the millennia and it is a spirit that we all experience in our church. St. Paul also says, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by St. Peter, Kephas, then by the twelve, after that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. Afterwards he was seen by St. James, then by all the apostles, then last of all he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. So St. Luke, therefore, stresses the historical fact of the resurrection that can be scrutinized by all, and that would be very clear. When he said these things, a lot of the people were still alive who saw Christ, rise from the dead, and eat with them, and talk with them, and teach him about the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. That Christ was born in the flesh. I mean, these are realities, that he was born in the flesh, that he taught us the most amazing truths ever revealed to mankind that he performed many miracles, that he died on the cross, that he resurrected from the dead, and that he ascended into the heavens, and that he sent us, the Holy Spirit, to dwell in us and to make us the children of God, and that all the apostles performed the things that they did in the um, book of Acts that uh, St. Luke wrote to prove the resurrection uh, of the dead by the works of the Holy Spirit, that he outlined in the book of Acts. Again, he himself was eyewitnesses to these things, and he wrote these things. So when he saw the um, shadow of St. Peter heal the sick, and the apron of St. Paul heal the sick, and how he saw the apostles raise the dead and and do many amazing wonders and convert, convert thousands, these are things that were eyewitnesses. They're not just fables, but were seen and touched and handled by the early believers. And these things have great evidence so that, all, that it should be believed as the most wonderful message ever delivered to mankind, ever delivered to us. In his Gospel, St. Luke uh, um, has the most detailed account of the Annunciation and the story of Christmas. And it was likely through an interview with St. Mary again, who was there from the very beginning and held all those things in her heart and revealed it to St. Luke so that he can write it in the Gospels. Also, it's the only one to have the story of St. Elizabeth and the birth of St. John the Baptist as we read today. And the story starts with St. John the Baptist as um, the story of nativity starts with St. John the Baptist. This was the end of the Old Testament and now the beginning of the New Testament. So St. John is considered the last of the Old Testament prophets. One may say, well, why isn't he a New Testament prophet? Um, he was Old Testament because he did not live in the time of grace that we all live in today, that New Testament time of grace that we enjoy today. He didn't, for example, get baptized, even though he was called St. John the Baptist. He himself was not baptized by the apostles and was not um, did that kind of baptism that has the rebirth and the renewal of our human nature. He did not receive. He did not receive the holy anointing. That we all received at baptism to allow us to receive the Holy Spirit in a more intimate way, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us to make us the children of God. He did not receive the holy and life-giving communion that we receive, the Holy Eucharist um, that we all receive every Sunday or, or as many as as much as we can to be that allows us to be one with the Creator of the universe. He didn't. He didn't receive all these blessings. These are things that all the Old Testament prophets prophesied about and looked uh, at a distance and said blessed are your eyes for they see they they long to be in the time that we're in today enjoying all of these graces but because of the perfection of his spiritual life and the importance of his mission the Lord says of him among those born of women there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist so he was the greatest prophet in all of the Old Testament era that were born of women and um, As the prophets of old proclaimed the coming of the Messiah, so did St. John, but in a more immediate and a clear way, which is why he is also called the forerunner, St. John the forerunner. So he has this critical role in the story of nativity, which of course is the story of our salvation, redemption and renewal. Uh, In the story of the incarnation, we hear of other saintly personalities as well. For example, of course, St. Mary, uh, she's central to the story. Elizabeth, Zacharias that we read today. Joseph, of course, and the three wise men, the shepherds, Anna the prophetess, Simon the prophet. But St. John holds a special and unique place in the story of nativity. He himself is prophesied earlier in the Old Testament as the beginning of these things. In Malachi 3.1, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. And in Isaiah The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Also talking to the greatness of St. John was Archangel Gabriel, who uh, proclaims his birth. Very few uh, people in history, some in our church history, some in the Old Testament as well, received the annunciation uh, before their birth, right? Uh, Very few had this honor. And the angel said, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. As as was said, the, our Lord honors St. John and says that he is the greatest of the prophets born of women. Especially in the Coptic Church, St. John holds a very special place. He is always in the front of every iconostasis. But if you see St. John the Baptist on the front of every iconostasis in, 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 every, in every Coptic Church. He is uh, mentioned in the final blessing of the priest uh, that he gives to the people. And we know that... Um, that his relics are actually in Egypt, which is a huge uh, blessing for us. Uh, There's uh, rich patristic evidence to show that. And if you go, for example, to the monastery of St. Macarius, we know that uh, the relics of St. John the Baptist are there. Archangel Gabriel also says that he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. We have not heard uh, about anyone that he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. The one who comes close was Jeremiah, was noted um, in in his book, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. But no one was filled with the Holy Spirit to perform the duties of the prophet from the mother's womb. That was a special gift and grace that St. John the um, Baptist had. But even then, the Holy Spirit that he received was not in the same measure that we received at the time of baptism. That indwelling and that unity with the Holy Spirit that makes us the children of God and allows us to worship God in spirit and truth. Archangel Gabriel says, He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. We know that during his very, very short ministry, uh, some say six months to maybe a year or so, uh, he called many to baptism of repentance, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he rebuked the people, and they listened to him. Um, it's also said that he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. So if you guys read in the Old Testament about who Elijah was, he was a very zealous prophet. He was probably the most zealous and energetic and bold prophet of the Old Testament. Uh, but not only did he encourage, so St. John, not only did he encourage the multitude... Uh, to repent and come closer to God but he also walked in that same spirit of Elijah full of power and strength and this uh, and his voice was loudly qu- cried in the wilderness that way that's why we say his voice was one as though crying in the wilderness he rebuked the king himself King Herod when no one else would just like Elijah also rebuked the king and in the end he gave up his life um, uh, for the faith even after his death Herod, Herod feared him. Very few people had that kind of impact that even after their death, uh, people feared him. Uh, We know St. Cyril of Alexandria, when he passed away, his enemies said, hurry up and put large stones on his tomb, lest he come back. You know, they were so afraid of him that they didn't want him to come back after uh, he died. And so in the end, he gave up his life, though. He teaches us that the strength of service that we all are hopefully involved in uh, services in the church is not in its length, but in its deepness and the amount of its efficiency and the amount of its influence and its fruit. It doesn't matter how long we've been serving and it's never too late to start to serve because the, um, the, um, the length of time of our service doesn't really matter. It's the power and the strength of it and it's zeal. We know many who have served for many years but really haven't accomplished much. But those who serve for just a short period of time through their, through their energy and zeal, enlighten, every, like put a fire everybody else's service and, and kind of motivate them. And they're able to um, do more impact even in a shorter period of time. And finally, he says, he will make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins, as it says in the Gospel of St. Matthew. So the whole re- region of Judea came to him, and he had that large of an impact. Archangel Michael, uh, I'm sorry, Archangel Gabriel also gives him his name, John, which means in Hebrew, God is gracious, or the graciousness of God. Because after him, by about six months, the spring of grace, the, the source of all grace would appear, and, he, um, and we would all live in the grace in the favor of God. He should have received his father's name, which is Zacharias, that was the tradition, but instead receives this name, emphasizing the meaning of St. John's ministry as the forerunner of our Lord Jesus Christ, the source of all grace that we enjoy today. Later, his father Zacharias prophesies about him, saying, "And you, child will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people. Before this, of course, we know that from today's reading that Zacharias doubted the ability uh, for his wife to bear a child because she was extremely old. For this reason, he was stricken by Archangel Gabriel with muteness and was not able to speak. St. Mary, on the on the um, contrary, also questioned. So one may say, what was the difference between the questioning of St. John and the questioning of St. Mary? It was not the questioning that caused the sharp rebuke by Archangel Gabriel, but it was the questioning with doubt. When we question, um, we should question with faith, right? It was when he proclaimed that the Son's name would be God is gracious, that, that's when... St. John received his voice back, right? When they asked him what should we name him? Shouldn't we name him after you? And he wrote down John on a piece of paper saying God is gracious, then he was able to speak again. By this time the grace was near and that he began to speak once more. It's okay to question, but when we question we should not be half-hearted but ask with faith. Let not your questioning doubt the grace that we've received. Um, God um, but let the questioning kind of be constrained with good gifts of God, right? Like, so not denying the very tools that help us to understand. So God has given us the grace that helps us to understand. And so when we question, we should question within these constraints of believing the, uh, the graces that we've received. It's within this light that we see light. It's within this light that we see light. The biggest deception and challenge to our Christian faith today is, is that the message of the good news that we receive? That the grace that we received is not true. That the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ is not true. This is the biggest deception that we're facing. I know I've quoted this before, but Saint Cyril of Alexandria says that the mystery of Christ runs the risk of being disbelieved precisely because it is so incredibly wonderful. It's a wonderful message. Sometimes we say, "Oh, it's too good to be true," but the truth of it. And the good news of it, once fully embraced, really causes a lot of joy and courage in the heart of Christians. But we know that many, by many infallible proofs, like St. Luke talks about today and emphasizes, by many infallible proofs, by proofs that cannot be denied, that could go under any kind of scrutiny and still come out being true on the other end, this, that the promises and assurances that were provided to the Christian are indeed true. It is, it's in the faith of this truth that we grow in faith and understanding but we shouldn't be too tough of course on st. Um, Zacharias is uh, was st. John's father after all we all stumble in that practical type of faith right that faith that is really applicable in our lives <clears throat> We only believe when it's easy, and when things become difficult, our faith kind of stumbled, uh, like he does because of their age. You know, they, He said, yeah, I would have believed your message, Archangel Gabriel, if we were younger, but now we're old, it's very difficult for me to believe what you said. Like St. Peter, for example, who had that partial faith, enough to walk on the water at the beginning with Christ, but as soon as he heard the, the wind and saw the waves, he stumbled. His faith wasn't enough. For, for him to stand on the water. Um, and he began to sink. That practical kind of faith. I would love to have known, for example, the people, like who was the first person to step in the Red Sea when it was parted? When he saw the walls of water and St. Moses holding out his hand and the wind is blowing, who was that first person to walk in between these walls of water? That was a person with that practical type of faith. Or I would have liked to have met the 300 men who took on the whole army with Gilead into the battle against the army and actually won, whom God chose because they were alert and on watch and were faithful. 300 men. I would have liked to have interviewed them and talked with them and, and said, what was the source of your strength and that God used you to take on a whole army and defeat them with only 300 men? Or St. Simeon, who moved the mountain of the Makattam a thousand years ago. Um, when asked to move the mountain to save the slaughter of thousands of people, he did so with faith, with faith, with fasting and with prayer, with simplicity, not considering that anything was impossible with God. Or with Pope Carolus, who took on any problem he had and put it on the altar, and we always know about the many wonders that God performed because of his faith, that practical type of faith whether it was to help people on their exams or heal them of their sicknesses, that kind of practical faith that Pope Carolus, St. Pope Carolus, took to the altar. And we've heard about the wonders that God worked uh, through his prayers, both that he did while he's in the flesh and even today. So let's not be too hard on Zacharias. One tradition says that um, St. John's parents fled the massacre of Herod when they were killing the children and where he... um, Kills the male infants uh, under two years old, and his father Zacharias was killed in the process of taking his son to the desert to flee uh, from uh, from Herod and his soldiers. And he saved uh, Saint John's life. Later, his mother died as well, so Saint John lived in the desert by himself, as we know in the story, that the wild loc- eating wild locusts and honey and wearing camel's hair as clothes. So when we look at the life of Saint John the Baptist, we do not see. As Christ said a reed shaken by the wind a double-minded half-hearted believer we see one who would become a steadfast believer who would not compromise on the truth and would believe the message that he received and would teach others that belief as well we have all received the messages but are we teaching our children are we teaching those around us those at work those in our sphere of influence are we impacting the world around us? Or are we still struggling with the basics of faith that we have inside of our own hearts? It's time that we rise above that and we stop drinking just regular milk, but start eating solid food and actually grow more and more in the faith through struggle and through searching the scriptures. Our faith is very firm and founded on a very strong foundation. And it's easy for us to go and search and grow in faith with a little bit of effort. And doing so helps us to increase in the faith. And we're able to impact not only our own lives, but the lives of those around us. And then we see that uh, one who was steadfast, right? And even though times were tough, and though he was beheaded by a king through the um, advice of a lady who danced for him, his victory was eternal. So may God give us that victory and give us the faith that is active and in effect in our daily lives through the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to whom we glory forever. Amen.